Welcome, everyone, to week six of the Left Coasters podcast. This is the first time in a while we've all been back. We're ready to record. My name is Tony Cavallo. I'm flanked by Matthew D'Angelo Antonio and Brian Balzarini. Feels good to be back. Uh, I'm excited good to, to have, have you back. back. Thanks, guys. I'm very excited for this week. What a week of football we had this past uh Sunday. <laughs> uh, it was it was interesting to say the least. The Rams not so much. We'll get to them in a bit. And before we get rolling, if you guys want to give us any questions or emails, please reach out to us at the Left Coasters Podcast at gmail.com. And also you can follow us on Instagram. We have a bunch of pictures from Dangles who made a trip to the Coliseum this week, and he'll get into that during the Rams section. But uh we're on Instagram as the Left Coasters Podcast, putting up pictures and quotes every day. Not All really. the time. Most yeah, of the time. Check our Instagram. <laughs> check our Instagram this week, though, especially because I'll be posting intermittently pictures that I took uh, at the game this weekend when I went to the Coliseum to see the Rams play the Bills. And um, we also, I think it'll be a lot of fun, have uh, a great way to bring you guys into this in that we're going to play a game a little bit later on that is going to require your participation or will greatly assist us at the very least if you guys jump in and help us out. Um, so again, please do email us your, your questions and we'll ask you to email us um, um, some thoughts on our game later on I'm excited at, about uh, this the Left Coasters podcast at gmail.com I, I had this game idea I pitched it to the other two guys we're going to get to it in the recap section we also have two new segments that we're going to premiere in week six of the NFL uh, the Left Coasters podcast we're excited to get to them including spotlighting the coaching staff of this uh, Los Angeles team because we're we are be- slowly becoming fans of this team. I was irrationally angry at the game on Sunday, but we still need to learn. That's a more. good sign, though. The fact that you sign. were irrationally angry about the Rams game means that you are becoming a fan, and that if if you're if you're not thinking about it and you're just like that's then you're getting pissed off at Jeff Fisher like you would at Mike McCarthy as yes. we've seen you go on rants about about him in the past that's a sign that you're that you're signing up for this team and I think it's great yeah no and we're gonna spotlight the head coaches because we're gonna try every week to learn more and teach our listeners more about the team that is your hometown team the Los Angeles Rams uh, but before we get going guys uh, anything big stand out from you this week anything uh, tip the scales any anything just well, I'll, jump I'll start, right out at I'll you? start by saying that um, I was incredibly disappointed with the Panthers' performance last night. Oh, even though, and, and, and granted, one. I'll give them that they are without Cam Newton. But even before that, they aren't I think that it, there's not they weren't protecting Cam Newton. And <laughs> he's getting hit a lot this season. We've talked about it over and over again. But they are not playing like they are the defending NFC champions. They were beaten by a very beatable Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that botched a couple attempts to win the game. Roberto Aguayo missing two field goals before he ultimately hit the final one last night, amazing. which was just an incredible. And you and I are texting back and forth because for a minute it looked like Dirk Cutter, the uh, Tampa Bay head coach, was playing for overtime. When you, it just it, to me, it, it it showed an incredible lack of confidence in his quarterback. Like, why aren't you putting the ball in Jameis Winston's hands? The guy is a Heisman winner. If you're not going to trust him now to take your team down the field on a drive, when are you going to get to that point? He's in his second year now. He's taking. He's shown that he can take control of the team, and he's going to make the throws he needs to make when the chips are down. And he did it last night to get them into field goal position. If I'm Ron Rivera, though, even with Cam Newton coming back, I'm definitely a little worried because he's not getting the protection he needs from his offensive line. Their secondary is very weak. They're relying on rookies to do the job that Josh Norman and others did last year. I'm concerned about the Panthers. And you have to be. When you give up 135 points off of a defense that should be that good, you have to start asking questions. Well, who, where, where's the leaking? Where, where are we not living up to expectations? And when you see those DBs, they're giving up massive yardage. One team that I'm, I'll take it even in a different direction, the one team that I'm super impressed by is the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, I mean, God, every me week we can't happen, we cannot not happen to talk about how amazing they're making this season look. I mean, you're talking about a team that first off lost their quarterback, then lost their stud running back, and now is is piecemealing their offensive line together, and they're making they're they're, they're scoring. They're scoring, but they're, they're beating teams in every every capacity. Every capacity, and and Sam Bradford looks like he he just he's been with that team for two or three years. God, so it's pissing me off. It's and as a Lions fan, I'm I mean I I don't know how to make sense of it, having watched the Minnesota Vikings for so long. Um, so to see them kind of you know coming to prominence, it's actually it's a positive story in the league right now oh, for I, sure. And I'm excited to kind of see where they're going and if they can keep it up. 
Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up. I mean, I wanted them to lose last week to the Texans. I wanted and picked them to lose last week to the Texans just because I thought the Texans were more of a real team. But Minnesota's just beating these chump teams, and they're beating them at every at every aspect of the game. You Special know teams, defense, offense, they're beating them. You know what's interesting about the Vikings, though, and I was just looking at this, is that in, turn, in, in the entire league, they're 30th in the NFL out of 32 teams in total yards per game. Wow, they're winning. They're they're, they're winning efficient. games. They're, they're winning efficient. games. They're averaging just three hundred and two yards a game. The league leader is the Atlanta Falcons at four hundred and fifty seven oh, yards goodness. a game. That's a lot. That's a, a good fifty yards greater than the second team, Dallas Cowboys, averaging just under four hundred at wow. three ninety seven. Wow. The Vikings are not getting huge yardage plays. It seems like, but and I've been watching this from week to week ever since, especially ever since Adrian Peterson got away. They're scoring off of little Matt Asiata vulture touchdowns that are one yard runs or Jarek McKinnon punching it in from the four-yard line. They're, they're not scoring man. on big plays, but they're getting the job done. They're methodical, but the big plays are coming on defense and special Absolutely. teams. They're making the teams turn over the ball and giving Sam Bradford the short yardage he needs to get that touchdown very easily. Like, yep. they're winning games, man. And they've only given up 63 points. Oh, so, God you know, damn. what's amazing about what you're saying, and obviously with respect to their defense, they're making it count when it matters the most. You know, when, they, when the offense is on the field, they're scoring touchdowns. They're not settling for field goals. They're scoring when it matters most, and they're beating teams. Unlike the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, have have scored a you know 123 points to 135, they they put points up on the board. The problem is, is they're not winning when it matters, and they're not putting together to, together drives and together winning winning. Uh, winning football when it matters most, and that's and that's showing in their record. So let's stay on Carolina here because I got two Mary Fuck Kill questions I want to throw to you guys. These are going to be two Mary Fuck Kill questions about momentum teams, and we'll start with the Carolina question. The four teams I'm going to give you have lost three games in a row, which is which is terrible. You should you should never lose three games in it's a row to be doing that and hope to make the playoffs. So these four teams unsuspectingly have lost three games in a row. Please give me a Mary Fuck Kill for each of them. I'm giving you the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers, the San Diego Chargers, and the New York Football Giants. All three game loses in a row. Brian, marry, fuck, kill. I'm going to marry the Chargers, the San Diego Chargers. That's bold. And here's why. Uh, I think Phillip Rivers is a great quarterback, um, but the one thing that stands out most in this, and it's one statistic, and that is they lead the league in time with the lead. So they lose games in the last minute every time. And what makes you think that's going to change? I think I think it's it's simple any given Sunday logic that every week they have a chance to win games. They're not losing games. They're not getting blown out. There's no part of their offense or their defense that is just completely falling apart. They're losing close games. So to me, that's that's a, that's a sign of a team that can easily turn things around. All right. Um, we were looking at their schedule just really quickly before you go on to your your fuck team. We were looking at their schedule. Their next three games uh, are going to be, that's at home, at Qualcomm, against Denver, and then they go uh, play Atlanta, and then they go to Denver and have to play the, uh, the the Broncos at Sports Authority Field. That's a tough three-game stretch. They could very well be one in seven. Mike McCoy is packing his bags week nine. And there's only one team currently who has more points scored, and that is the Atlanta Falcons and the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, the offense is there. I'm just saying. I'm so, right. so with Jim, right. by the so way, Bosa, Bosa's back. Just that, a fun little fact. Great. Congratulations, Bosa. An unproven rookie. An unproven rookie defender. Two we'll sacks. see how he goes. Yeah. Oh, he had two sacks. O- Oakland's terrible, but... All right, so you got San Diego. Who are you fucking? I'm going to fuck the Carolina Panthers because okay. that division is so weak. I think that's that's a very... That division so weak. Atlanta's on well, fire. Well, Atlanta's doing well, but at the same time, I think there's a potential for a wildcard team to come out of that division because, uh, you know, Carolina does have the pieces now. Cam Newton is hurt if he comes back and decides... You know he's in better shape, and he needs to take the reins. And he's of the team. MVP of the and football he's the league. MVP of football. Yeah. I think there's a potential for them to pull their stuff together. So I'm going to fuck the Carolina. All Panthers. right, and you got the two New York teams. Which one are you killing? Oh, I'm going to kill the New York Jets. I think they're they're good and toast. Um, I don't think they can win with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing the way he's playing, and I don't think he's the type of quarterback that can take over a game. And and quite honestly, I think the Buffalo Bills are a team that is surprising people right now, so I yeah. don't see them coming out of that division and doing anything special. All right, Dangles, to you. New York Jets, Carolina Panthers, San Diego Chargers, New York football Giants. All right, well, I'm going to marry the Carolina Panthers, right. and that's because they're the NFC champions defending. And even though I said, uh, you know, 
just got done saying I was very unimpressed and that Ron Rivera should be worried. I think if there's any team out of the ones that you gave me here to look at for this Mary Fuck Kill, I think the best chance, the team that has the best chance of coming back is the Carolina Panthers. Yes, they are thin at secondary. They still have that huge front seven with Kwan Short anchored by Luke Keekley, Thomas yeah. Davis uh, Sr. They still have big hitters Thomas on Davis Sr. Thomas Davis Sr. That's You're a thing right. this I year in the it. NFL, oh by God. the way. Terrell Pryor, Junior, Steve Smith. We're all doing these senior things. Even it was it's so apparent. My girlfriend is even asking me about it. She does not really like football that much, but she's like, why do all of these players seem to have senior? Like, why can't you just be Terrell Pryor? Why I think can't it's you the just stupidest be stupidest thing in the world? I myself am a junior. My father is the senior, and my father goes by Tony Cavallo. Period. That's the end. He is the first Tony Cavallo. He doesn't need senior attached to his name. Tony Cavallo Jr. needs the junior. I don't know where the senior came from. It's a new popular trend. Steve Smith Sr. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. But going back to the Panthers, how do they stop the bleeding at the back end? That's that's the difficult part. And I think part of that comes with um, with injury or injured players coming back. Once Jonathan Stewart is healthy again, once Cam Newton obviously is healthy again, I think they have talent at, at wide receiver. They're not they're not explosive huge play guys. Ted Ginn has a little bit of explosive playability but he's not he's not consistent enough and Kelvin Benjamin however it does and has played like a consistent well, wide receiver one oh, with Cam he is so a player so you, I think I think Carolina I think Carolina is my married team I'm gonna fuck the New York Giants uh, oh, because wow. yeah and I know and 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 they've played like absolute garbage the last couple of weeks I'm not I'm not taking that away and uh, being a Patriots fan I've watched the Giants come back for beyond all odds when everything else seemed like like it was done like nobody believed in them and somehow they managed to eke out a nine and seven season get past the wild card and squeak through the nfc championship into a super bowl and beat the best team in football not once but twice now granted that was all under tom coughlin and ben mcadoo has not proven that he's tom coughlin yet but eli manning has a lot of weapons on offense and if Odell Beckham Jr. decides he wants to pull his head out of his ass at any point this season, he might actually start to look like Odell Beckham Jr. again. So I'm going to fuck the New York Giants. That leaves me with the New York Jets and the San Diego Chargers to kill, and I'm going to kill the San Diego Chargers. Okay. Because uh, in a large part, that's in large part because of that division. I just don't see them winning or even getting even getting close to the playoffs with with Oakland who is a consistent solid team every week they may not be explosive and huge and and a high octane offense but they win and they yeah. have been winning yeah and and I just I, I, I can't see them climbing their way out of this so I'm going to go ahead and kill the San Diego Chargers Philip Rivers just isn't enough by himself to bring this team to glory yeah if I had to go the same I'd probably marry Carolina fuck the Giants and kill the Chargers myself Dangles uh yeah, I don't know what's making you marry the Chargers, Brian. It really is blowing my mind here. But we're moving on. We're going to now the momentum teams in the positive direction. These teams have all won three games or more, with one of them winning four games in a row. So out of these four teams, we're going to go to back to Dangles first. We're going to have the Buffalo Bills, the Oakland Raiders, the Washington Redskins, and the Atlanta Falcons. Marry, fuck, kill. Atlanta's the one with that is 1-4, by the way. Marry, fuck, kill. Yeah, um... When you score more points than anyone else, you win. I'm marrying the Atlanta Falcons, and I think I have every reason to do that, especially given they're a very good team. Julio Jones is the mo- is the most consistent wide receiver in the NFL. He had 300 receiving yards. He had 300 receiving yards two weeks ago. Matt Ryan is playing out of his mind, and they have a really great two-headed thing going at running back with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. It reminds me of Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams yeah. when oh, they first sure. got onto the Carolina Panthers. Year Reggie Bush and Lendale White together. That's the year I'm looking for. USC. Reggie, Reggie Bush and Lendale. I was thinking. I was thinking. Okay, I was thinking even maybe Stephen Ridley and Shane Vereen on the Patriots sure. when they had them Absolutely. both. But that I, I really like it. So I'm going to marry the Atlanta Falcons. I think they're playing well. I think they're going to continue to play well, and they're in a crummy division where they have every opportunity to be the best team there. Uh, I'm going to fuck the. Buffalo Bills. Oh my god! I know, I know, I know. I think, I think. I mean, I watched them on Sunday. Yeah. Play the Rams. Yeah, you did. And they're they're they looked good. They looked competent. They looked like they're they're putting themselves together. I said in week two, I said on this podcast that the Bills are zero and two. They had two tough games coming up. I could I can't remember the exact opponents that they had, but it was ripe for an zero and four start, and that Rex Ryan was going to be on his way out the door by week five or six. What happened? What happened? 
That's a great question. They're starting to come together on offense and coalesce, I think, a little bit. They don't have a lot of weapons to work with. Was like firing... Robert Woods is their primo, prime receiver. Charles Clay is their tight end. Was firing that offensive coordinator what really saved their season? Like, it may happened? very well have been. It's, it's hard to say. But I'm going to go ahead and fuck the Buffalo Bills, and I'm going to kill the Washington Redskins. Really? I just, I, yeah, I am. I don't think, I don't think that they're strong on defense. They, they are inconsistent. Even though they've, even though they are on a three-game win streak, I give them that. They're playing well. They're in a division where they have. There's a, two other teams who are playing as well, if not better, than they are with better players in Philadelphia and uh, in the Cowboys. The Cowboys are putting up. Ma- they're they, they're le- second in the league in yards yards it's yards another game. Another team with a four-game win streak. I left them out of this question though. Uh, Bragg. So, let me kick it over to you here. We got Buffalo, Oakland, Washington, Atlanta. Marry, fuck, kill. I'm going to marry the Atlanta Falcons. I, easy, simple decision. Also I, should, just to point I, out, I should have left them out of this question. Right, you it's should too have, easy. One also important point is Tevin Coleman. I vividly remember the Detroit Lions, particularly um, two years ago, um, bringing him in for pre-draft um, interviews. Yeah. yeah, and we were all excited. Indiana product, and now he just looks lights out. So kudos to him for making... I'm excited to get to you when we do draft coverage because you seem to be more into the draft than almost anyone I know. You bring up these things like we should have drafted so-and-so. We were right there at the spot. We had him in for pre-game. Yeah, I could tell you like who the Patriots picked in the first two rounds and then beyond that I'm lost. That's also a product of being a Detroit Lions fan. Because every year the the draft is our Super Bowl. That's true. It's you our got... it's our chance to improve our chances. So as a fan, I got. I mean, I'm not joking. I can remember fifth grade being like, okay, this is going to be our year, and start scouting guys and and you know <laughs> picking up quarterbacks. So yep. what are we going to do? So that's how that kind of started. But yeah, I mean, come drafts, come close to draft season, we'll 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 be talking about that. Word. All right. Who are you who are you marrying Atlanta? Who are you fucking? I'm fucking the Oakland Raiders. I think the Oakland Raiders um, are showing a penchant for winning. In terms of they they make the throws when we saw it again. That was the second game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the second game that Jack Del Rio's gone gone on a fourth and long, and thrown to his receiver in the corner of the end zone. To fucking Crabtree. Holy shit! Like genuinely, when yeah. I saw that, I was like, "Are you wow? You yeah. got some balls, and man!" And Crabtree made a hell of a crab, man. And, and this he, is after starting the season off going for a two point conversion with the game tied and no time left on the clock. JDR is. Ballsy yeah, in the Bay is. Area, and, that's, and that shows me the sign of a winning team who is again a cohesive unit in terms of winning games when it matters most. So kudos to Derek Carr. I mean, he's killing it. His stats are off the charts. So I didn't like leaving them out. It was a t- it was a tough beyond Atlanta. It was a tough question. And so Mark Mar- Mar- Cooper is uh, um, is is killing it as well. Oh, he he just I mean he finally it all clicked this week. And he's a pure pure wide receiver one. So I I I, I think they're sexy from all fronts. So who are you killing? I'm going to kill the Washington Redskins as well. Yeah. I, I don't. I, they very well could be the worst team in that division. That division has yet to settle itself. As far as I mean, you can talk about the New York Giants being a very you know inefficient and but Odell Beckham I think had a better game and I, and and don't sleep on Eli Manning for crying out loud. That guy manages to never pull sleep off, on Eli Manning. That guy manages to pull off a, a, a you know a division he championship at nine and seven and hey. it drives me crazy. So I, I'm not I'm not I'm not making the same mistake again and counting out the, the New York Giants. So. I, I was nervous that whole game Sunday night Giants or his Packers because of that douchebag Eli Manning and so and, and, it, and, and I just don't think Kirk Cousins is the guy I, I think I like him a lot yeah. he's, he's he's but he's just not showing a guy that can take off the teams they need more talent and and they just don't have it so yeah I'm probably with you there too marrying Atlanta fucking Oakland and killing Washington Oakland is the exact opposite of San Diego to me they're winning the games in the fourth quarter Absolutely. that San Diego's losing so, and I don't know, I just feel that Oakland, that riverboat, <laughs> it used to be Riverboat yeah, Run gambler, in Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I got the gambler Jack Del Rio in that leather jacket. Well, the other thing, too, is their defense is coming up big uh, on when plays they need to. when yeah. they need to. And and you're not watching, actually, you're not watching Khalil Mack. I mean, what have we heard from Khalil Mack? Yeah. Nothing. So, I mean, if Khalil Mack decides one day he needs to step up his game and, and he gets he gets a better fit into what they're doing against a team that has that is exposed, this guy could rip off four sacks in a yeah. game. So. Oakland's got some got something to look forward to. All right, now we're going to debut the new game. I'm titling this game Gravestones. What we're going to do, listeners, is we have decided before this podcast, we've laid down six teams that we are writing gravestones for for the 2016 NFL season. These are six teams that so far through five weeks are definitely not going to make the playoffs. We have written their names in sand. They are dead to us. The six teams we've landed on that are dead for the season are Miami, Cleveland, Chicago, Jacksonville, the New York Jets, and San Francisco. 
Those six teams, RIP. Rest in peace. So now we get to the game part of it, and we're going to revisit this Gravestone game every week because we now have the Deadpool of Miami, Cleveland, Chicago, San Fran, Jacksonville, and the New York Jets, teams that we agree have passed away this season. And from now on every week, each of us is going to give one team to give a Gravestone to. Some weeks we're going to give two, but we're going to start off at one before we get too late into the season. And uh, each team we're going to give a Gravestone to, and eventually we're going to end up at the end of the season with 12 remaining living teams. And those 12 teams should be the 12 playoffs teams and at the end of the season we get a point for every playoff team that we still have alive if we've given a gravestone to a team that makes the playoffs we don't get that point and we encourage you to play along at home you have the deadpool all the teams that we've agreed on collectively that are r.i.p and please send us an email at to uh the left coasters podcast at gmail.com giving us your gravestone of the week i'm gonna start off and uh on this day uh, it's a sad passing, but on this day, I'm going to give a gravestone to Philip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers. Okay. I think the San Diego Chargers are dead in the water. I think they've lost enough heartbreaking games early to sit at a 1-4 and four record in that division where Denver's 4-1 and one and Oakland's 4-1. and one. I do not see them coming close to the divisional title, and I do not see them coming close to a wild card. They score a lot on offense, but they make stupid, dumb, idiotic mistakes every game in the fourth quarter. This is enough to tell me that... On this day in early October, San Diego Chargers have passed away. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. Good night, San Diego. All right, Brian. You married San Diego earlier today. Only because I had to. Only because you had to. Who are you giving your gravestone to? It's sad to say, but Andrew Luck will not be in the playoffs this year. It is sad. Indianapolis Colts have given up 148 points this year. There's only one team, one team who has given up the same amount or more, and that is the Cleveland Browns. You cannot make it into the playoffs giving up 148 points, which the Cleveland Browns have also given up the same amount of points. I don't care what quarterback you have, how well they're playing, how many points they're putting up, because they're putting up a lot of points, but you give up 148 points, even in a bad division, in a terrible division, you don't stand a chance at getting yourself in a wild card conversation or clearly a division championship um, position. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with the Indianapolis Colts and um, Andrew right. Luck. Bow your heads. Good night, Indy. So, I've killed San Diego. Brian's killed Indy. Now, to make clear, Indy is still alive for me. San Diego is still alive for Brian. They can stay alive for the rest of the season if we think they're making the playoffs. We're now going individually here against each other. I pick San Diego. Brian picks Indy. Dangles, who are you, uh, who are you calling a court off? I'm also picking Indy. Oh, my to God. Die. We're, uh, we're saving that, San Diego for another week. Yeah, right? I'll save San Diego maybe for another week, but I agree with everything Brian said. I just don't think they have the pieces to make a playoff run, even in a terrible division like that. Uh, it's not going to be this year for Andrew Luck. So organizational I'm, problems as well. There are organizational problems there. They haven't drafted well the last couple of years, and as a result, they are dead in my eyes. So RIP Indianapolis Colts. We're going to move on to uh, the Rams, but first we're going to debut a new segment called Take Two. We do come from different backgrounds, come from rooting for different teams growing up. Dangles love the Patriots. I love the Packers. And Brian loves his Lions. And each week we're going to take two. One of us is going to take two to give a little give a little speech for our Lions here. So what do you got for us, Brian? Well, the first thing anybody should know about being a Lions fan is that it's a, um, it's a long, tough, hard road. That's all you can really say about an organization that has only won one playoff game in over 50 years. Detroit Lions now currently sit at two and three losses at teams like Tennessee in which they they owned that game for three quarters and then gave it up. And then you turn around and you beat a team who's three and oh with a quarterback who looks unstoppable in, in Carson Wentz against a defense that is one of the top five defenses in the league led by Jim Schwartz former head coach of the Detroit Lions. So if there was any team set and poised to beat a Detroit Lions team down and out. It was the Philadelphia Eagles this week, and I I didn't count them in. I didn't count the Detroit Lions to win that game. Most I did. people didn't. I and, did. Yeah, we'll get to you. <laughs> I Daniels. sure did. And and some of us were lucky enough to have a little faith. I did not, and I lack faith in the Detroit Lions because they've they've deserved that. But one thing to feel positive about the play of Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has come on this year looking not only 
explosive, but consistent. And that has been a huge issue with Matt Stafford from game to game, year to year. He puts up numbers that most quarterbacks couldn't sniff at, but with that comes a lot of losses. And as a Lions fan, you can talk about defense, you can talk about special teams, you can talk about missing pieces here and there. But at the end of the day, when the quarterback doesn't win games, it, it falls on his shoulders. So going back to that, that theme, we, we all worried about Calvin Johnson not being a factor this year for the Detroit Lions, but we've had a breath of fresh air walk through our, through our doors, and that is in the form of, of Marvin Jones, who I believe is a senior, just, just for the, for the sake of conversation. Of course he is. Um, but his stats are off the charts right now. First in yards. Second in catches. Are we talking for the Lions or for the NFL? This is the NFL. No way. First in yards. Second in catches. Eighth in TDs. First in catches over 25 yards. Uh, Sixth in scrimmage yards. I don't even know if Calvin Johnson had that when he was here. All right, that's your take two with the Detroit Lions. Five weeks down, boys, in the NFL season here in 2016. Uh, the Rams go to 3-2 and two this week after a loss, 30-19, to 19, to the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles uh, Memorial Coliseum. Uh, in case you've forgotten, we are the Left Coasters, Tony Cavallo, Brian Balzarini. I'm Matt D'Angelo-Antonio, and uh, we're at the point of the show where we talk about the Rams game from this past week and uh, try and convince ourselves that we should still be rooting for this team. Uh, but this week is, is actually a special one for us, guys, because... I went to the Rams game oh, on Sunday. That's huge. How was I, it? I, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I was um, honestly, I was a little bit nervous going in because um, I had read some really awful things about the uh, first game at the Coliseum, where they, you know, were running out of water and people were passing out from heat stroke, and there were lines the wrong line. People were in the wrong lines, and they were not going to the right part of the stadium to get in, and it sounded just like a complete and total circus. Like the, the like they just weren't ready to handle an NFL crowd again. Um, so I was a little nervous going in, but um, I was able to do this through um, my girlfriend's uh, work connection that my girlfriend's company has uh, with a company called Old Republic. Thank you, Old Republic, for hooking us up with uh, what a with, life with the Sunday life uh, NFL invite. It was fun. Um, we had amazing seats, uh, four rows back from the Rams sideline. Like wow. I was, I was close enough that I could hear Greg Williams screaming like. Defense, motherfuckers. It was a full stadium. I don't know the exact attendance. Maybe if I issued about 60,000. And um, getting in was pretty easy. We had a parking pass, granted. So we pulled up into a lot. So I don't know That's what the rest of, of the... I'm, I know I did see like, you know, 50, 60, $70 to pay for parking if you wanted to park somewhere around the stadium. Wow. But um, so your best bet if you're going to do it, Rams fans, is probably to take Metro or, you know, chill out for a parking pass. If you can How was the tailgating? It was good. I had a few drinks beforehand um, with some of the folks that went with us in this company we had a few beers in the uh in the lot and um you know chatted for a little bit and then uh got in it did take us a little while to get to our seats but um it's cool to watch kind of like the pro game in the in the college stadium because you you go in via tunnels to get to the uh to the seats and then you just kind of you walk out and then it's just this enormous expanses of of football field it's like what i imagine michigan stadium is probably like in ann arbor oh yeah probably Um, very similar just you know like and all the lines all the seats just point straight down at the field below so like you can't simple design yeah get there and just and it's a big long staircase on the way down so yeah um uh, you know a really cool experience i've never been in a college stadium of that size before especially not to see an nfl team um so the experience overall very cool I, i wish i could say the same thing about the football that I watched oh, yeah it was difficult it was really difficult and and I honestly you know I, I have a kind of a bone to pick with Jeff Fisher this week because he I mean first of all let's talk about the fake punt that he dialed up with three and change left in the fourth quarter instead of giving the ball to his uh to his pro bowl punter Johnny Hecker to pin the bills in deep in their own territory and actually give their defense a chance and their defense have been playing playing really they've been making gutty like you know really sticking it out plays all game long and um and instead of doing that he decides to snap the ball to Bradley fucking Marquez who apparently he <laughs> thinks is someone like a Julian Edelman used to be in college and can throw the ball and and what happens it, it goes abs it fails miserably and they end up turning the ball over it loses the game it loses the game essentially and it puts the ball in the hands of the people who you um wouldn't call your 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 studs you know it's not playing to your strengths whatsoever no, you want a little bit pin them put them on the other side of the 50 and let your defense do what it does best and and see if you can't get the ball back why not 
The Rams left so many plays out on the field on Sunday, plays they could have made, plays that they should have made. And and uh, look, execution is one thing. Fine. If you go out and execute in practice in one week and then it doesn't happen on the field on Sunday, I mean, that's partially on the team. But God damn it, Jeff Fisher, with your play calling, I swear to God. And then, you know what the worst part is? And I've read several articles since the game on Sunday that, that corroborate this or that suggest this. And obviously, if you listen to his press conference and you read deep enough into it, you can you can realize he was trying to blame the 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 uh, for example the fake punt the fact that they were able to sniff it out so quickly on the crowd he was saying the crowd started to get louder as they came out and that they had the defensive look that they wanted and the defense was set up so that the fake punt should have worked he tried to blame the coliseum crowd listen dude if you're gonna come to a city a team you're gonna come with a team to a city that wants to welcome you with open arms and then in your second fucking home game you turn around and say it's your fault that they sniffed out a fake punt it's not my fault because i'm a shitty play caller i've been a (laughs) shitty play caller my entire career and that's why my life is eight and eight I should have eight he should have eight and eight or seven and nine tattooed on his friggin pecs to remind him every time he gets in the goddamn shower how mediocre (laughs) everything about his life is I'm sorry Jeff Fisher but you can't turn around and blame the crowd for your shitty play calling listen if you want to blame the crowd for getting excited on an exciting play you got to have more exciting plays Tom Brady's crowd doesn't doesn't scream at a fake punt because they're used to seeing Tom Brady throw the ball 25 plus yards every play if you're only going to have one exciting play a game, don't get mad at the crowd for and, getting out of their seats. And I'm sorry, if your play is contingent on the, the crowd being quiet... There's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. There's something flat out wrong with that. And I would love to know from Jeff Fisher, if he had converted that, and if I remember correctly, they would have had the ball around the 30, the 40-yard line. Mm-hmm. If they, What were you going to do, go 70 yards? Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the thing that killed me before that fake punt happened was when they had fourth and goal... At the four-yard line, and they decided to kick a field goal. They were down seven at yeah. the time, and they would, time was ticking down the clock. That offense never even got close to that position again. You Mm-mm. trust your team there, and you go for the touchdown. Worst-case scenario, you miss up. Now the Bills are on the four, having to go 96 yards. No and strategy. That's their, their strategy in that decision. I don't see the strategy in his decision. You, you can't flip-flop mid-game. If you're no. going to play conservative, play conservative the whole game. If you're going to play reckless, play reckless the whole game. When you flip and flop, you, these decisions and these mistakes happen. Your mm-hmm. team doesn't know what to do. And you don't give your players a chance no and and before it wasn't all on Jeff Fisher Case Keenum was not doing well that whole game and he threw a horrendous pick six that that won the game for Buffalo like that that was the final score for Buffalo that they needed to surpass us and that was all they needed speaking of Jeff Fisher part of this whole podcast the reason we're doing it is because we want to get to know this team we want to teach ourselves to be fans and hopefully convince you to do so along the way as well and so part of what we want to do is kind of get ourselves familiar with this team and over the next couple of weeks we'll be going through pretty much every sector of the team you'd want to know about. Uh, And so I asked Brian and Tony to do a little bit of homework this week, and uh, I asked Tony to dive into the offensive coaches and Brian to dive into the defensive coaches and to just sort of give us an idea of who they are. Um, So, Tony, uh, would you start us off uh, talking a little bit about uh, the offensive coordinator? Absolutely. I'd love to. There's nothing I love more than homework, let me tell you. But, no, this was fun (laughs) because, as as Dangles was saying, we do want to learn more about this team, and you have to start with the coaching staff. And I had the assignment to look up Rob Boris, the assistant, and head coach and offensive coordinator. Rob Boris, he's the guy with the beard and the glasses calling all the plays on HBO Hard Knocks. If you've seen him, he's been the uh, assistant head coach and offensive coordinator since 2015. But first, he played center for DePaul University. That's not DePaul. DePaul. It's DePaul. DePaul. Chicago. Yep. And he was there from 88 to 91, played a hell of a center, but instead of pursuing a, a professional career, he decided to stay at DePaul and become the coach of his own positional group after he graduated. And he then moved on to become uh, many things. He coached at Texas for a while, coached the tight ends there, Texas University, was the head coach at Benedictine University, UNLV, to be the offensive coordinator there for four years, and then he moved up to the NFL with Chicago, Jacksonville, and then Los Angeles. Uh, he was a tight ends coach from 04 to 14 in the NFL, coaching the likes of a young Greg Olson. He took Mercedes Lewis to his Pro Bowl year and then gave Jared Cook and uh, St. Louis some of the best years he had as a tight end coach. Again, 2015, he moved up to the offensive coordinator. He's doing it now, and Brian... I know we have the rankings of this season for uh, the Los Angeles Rams. How good is his offense doing? Currently, they are 31st in points, 32nd in yards, 30th in pass yards, 
and 28th in rushing. Now, for those of you at home that don't know, there's only 32 teams in the NFL, so those numbers in the 30s are... They're terrible. Well, at the end. There's no sugarcoating it there. You're dead last. It's not good at all. And to be in the 30s in three out of the four categories and high 20s in the fourth is... It's terrible. Yeah, you can't win football that way. I, I have to say, Rob Boris, the play caller, I don't think he's doing such a bad job calling the plays. I really think it comes down to the, uh, the, the tools that he has in the toolbox. Case Keenum, uh, Kenny Britt's not a number one wide receiver. We've gone over these positions before, but Rob Boris is your offensive coordinator, probably the guy that the kibosh is going to come down on first when it comes to cutting time. Uh, Brian, we had a defensive coordinator for you there, buddy. Yeah, unlike uh, Boris, uh, Greg Williams has been around a long time. If that name sounds familiar and you did not happen to watch Hard Knocks, you'll you'll remember Greg Williams from the uh, Bounty Gate. Uh, oh, yeah. For the New Orleans Saints when he got in trouble. Emperor. And the unfortunate thing about that it was the timing of it all. Uh, New Orleans was at the top of the world at the, mo- at the time sure. that that happened. Uh, they were just coming off a Super Bowl win in 2009. But prior to that, uh, Greg Williams made his uh, claim to fame with the Titans for 11 seasons. He coached there from 90 to 2000. Spent six and a half of those years with Jeff Fisher. Say, this say, is not yeah. his time. Co- uh, first no. time, rather, coaching and, with the fish. Yep, and he was... <laughs> <laughs> he was a defensive coordinator fish. for four of those uh, latter seasons and then moving on to the Buffalo Bills where he was a head coach for three seasons with Drew Bledsoe as their quarterback, if anybody remembers that. I Good old Greg Williams. After he got uh, literally hit out of New England. <laughs> <laughs> well, he spent three years there. He and got tackled so hard, he ended up in Buffalo, Drew Bledsoe. Was, yeah, <laughs> and he didn't have a very successful run as a head coach with uh, Greg Williams. They went 17-31. and 31. Wow. Woof. Yeah. From there, he went on to several other teams, uh, Redskins, uh, Saints later on, and then eventually back with the L.A. Rams. But what is Greg interesting about Greg Williams is the prolific defenses he's coached over the yeah, career. I mean, you love him or hate him, he's a damn good defensive coordinator. His, his, his resume is stellar. Um, he has coached five top five overall defenses. That's the Titans, who were number one in 2000, the Bills, who were number three in 01, Bills, who were number two in 03, the Redskins, who were number three in 05, and the Saints, who were number four in 10. So this guy was able to put together, wherever he went, prolific defenses uh, in his career. So the defensive pedigree for the Rams is, is very good. And, in th- and theoretically, you would think that with a couple of young stars like uh, Aaron Donald and Alec Ogletree, your burgeoning stars, uh, and even Robert Quinn, who's a little bit older but still a very good defensive end, you would think that they would be playing well defensively, wouldn't and, you? And, they're, and right now, they're, they're 14th in points. 18th in yards, 14th in passing yards, and 28th in rushing. So you're looking at middle of the road to the to the lower half uh, in almost every category. Not not something that is going to again add to his illustrious resume uh, as 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 it stands right now. Injuries obviously are effect. I know Tremaine uh, Johnson is is currently out right now. Going to be out this week, and that's the Lions. not going to be a good thing against the Lions with uh, Marvin Jones is playing as well no. as he is. So so they've got a tough task the next couple of weeks, including a, a a game at London in in two weeks. So Greg Williams has his has his work cut out for him. So that that's Greg Williams in a nutshell. Well, then all that's left is the big Kahuna, Mister Seven and Nine himself, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher has been around for while he's been coaching for almost 22 years uh he started off his playing career and he drafted in 1981 draft chicago bears played for five seasons there and then stuck with those bears become a de- his first uh, job was a defensive backs coach was uh, he as mediocre of a player as he was as he is a coach uh, he was a good return man never saw the field too much as a defensive back and but then again for playing for that chicago team on defense it was tough to crack the shell there uh his first head coaching job was with the houston oilers back in 1994 he kept on coaching for tennessee and then st louis uh, moved to St. Louis in 2012 and has been there ever since. Now in L.A., the head ball coach is just simply not a good coach in the NFL. He has a winning percentage over the years at .521, which is what he is, mediocre. Um, I got a good stat for Jeff Fisher. This season with Los Angeles, he becomes the first coach since 1998 to have four consecutive losing seasons and keep his job. That's the first coach since 1998 
four consecutive losing seasons to keep his job. Do you guys know who the last head coach in 1998 was to do uh, that same feat? I do. Mr. It Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher, it was Jeff Fisher <laughs> in Tennessee did the same thing. Guys, he's had a couple of good seasons, a 13-3, and three, a 12-4, and four, a couple of 13-3s and threes actually with Tennessee. Got to make a point out with uh, four years that in a nutshell tells you exactly what Jeff Fisher's career is all about. From 02 to 05, this is his record in order, 11-5. 12 and 4, 5 and 11, and 4 and 12. Equaling out to 500. So this coming week then, uh, the Rams pack their bags. They hit the road for the Motor City. Ford Field will be the site. The Lions take on the Rams uh, in front of Detroit's finest. Yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty good game. I think we already heard Brian's take on the Lions. Uh, I think the Rams actually match up well against the Detroit Lions. I think I think this is the game that Todd Gurley has a chance to make some waves, and he needs to in order to win this game. That defense is not very good, especially the rushing defense. I think Gurley, if the Rams win this game, it's because of Todd Gurley. I think, unfortunately, I, I disagree. I think they play to each other's weaknesses and strengths. And, unfortunately, I think the Lions coming into the game at home after a nice win against the Philadelphia Eagles, Matt Stafford looking poised. That's the last thing the L.A. Rams defense needs right now is a hot quarterback at home with a, a receiver, obviously, that's off the charts. Um, not to mention that uh, Z- Ziggy Anza, as of today, is back in, in action for the Lions. Okay. So that's, that's, that's you know, fresh Ziggy is, is going to be uh, mayhem for that offensive line line so um I, I i don't have i'm not as optimistic but i'm 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 confident that they'll they'll do a better job than they did this last week but unfortunately i think it'll, it won't be enough to, against the lions i'm gonna agree with you brian uh, based on what i saw this past weekend the the rams just right now they're not they're executing on fewer plays than they're not executing on and that's bad in this in in this league because teams will take advantage of you including the Detroit Lions who have a potent offense when Matt Stafford is on when he's finding uh Marvin Jones and let's not forget I mean Golden Tate is is not a bad wide receiver he, he's having himself. a bad year but yeah he's, he's having not a bad, bad year player. but he's not a bad wide receiver I think this is a trap game for the Rams I think they can probably they probably think they're going to go in there and blow the Lions out but um I picked the Lions last week I was the only one who picked the Lions last week in that win against the Eagles and I'm going to pick him again, uh, unfortunately, against our Rams. I wish that they, I thought that they would win, but I just don't think that. To give a little caveat to that in that I, I have yet to win a Rams pick this season. Yeah. It's terrible. That's tough. All right, the Rams will look to eke one out against the Lions in Detroit this coming Sunday. We will be watching the game closely. Uh, we hope you will, too. Don't forget, send us your observations, thoughts, questions you might have about the team to the Left Coasters podcast uh, at gmail.com. And uh, check out our Instagram feed. I'll be posting pictures intermittently over the course of the week uh, that I took from our seats four rows back from the Rams sidelines in the Coliseum on Sunday. Uh, so now uh, we'll get to our picks in just a moment. But first, we have a few injuries we want to update you on. And uh, Brian Balzarini will have that for us coming up next. All right, guys. Well, another week in the books and another injury report. To start us off this week, we have Cody Kessler of the Cleveland Browns going down. Cody Kessler, if anybody can recall, is the rookie out of USC who actually gave the Cleveland Browns a little bit of positivity at the quarterback position this year. What is year. he there, the fourth fourth string quarterback, so maybe? Something along those Something lines? Something like that. I don't know. I do feel bad for Hugh Jackson. But he had an injury to his ribs, and uh, David Rappaport is reporting that the QB is expected to be ready for the Browns in Week 6 against the Titans. However, they did get rid of Charlie Whitehurst, uh, quarterback Jesus there. One of the Clipboard, best head yeah. of hair, heads of hair in the Jesus, football. Baby. Quarterback Jesus. So uh, good stuff for the Cleveland Browns, hopefully. Um, they need it. Uh, next, we have Cam Newton back in action this week. Uh, reports are that he's at practice with limited contact and is looking good. MVP. I, I also heard Carson Palmer is looking like he may very well play against the Jets this weekend, which That's good. is huge for the Cardinals. Um, and as football fans. Yeah, and as football fans, for but sure. But they got to knock the rust off of him. He hasn't looked great this year, so hopefully he can come back from that injury better than he was prior um, to that injury. Uh, next, we got the Tre- Trevor Simeon situation. It looks like Trevor might be back this week. He's expected to return uh, from his non-throwing shoulder injury. They need Aww. him. I won't get to watch Paxton Lynch again. They need him. Paxton yeah. Lynch looked really bad. The local uh, pizza delivery man. Um, another interesting one is that Vikings offensive lineman Andre Smith, who um, will have tricep surgery. Um, he had tricep surgery, excuse me, on Tuesday uh, and put on injury reserve. Then uh, the Vikings went out and signed who? 
Jake Long. Jake Long. Welcome Jake back. Long? Welcome back, buddy. Jake Long, indeed. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, pull that off, as well as an injury to their guard, Mike Harris, who looks like he will be out for the rest of the season as well. That, that'd that be terrible. If that's true, that's the fifth player they've lost off that offense for this season. That's that's hard, and they're still the only undefeated team. And last but not least, we have Bucks running back Charles Sims being placed on injured reserve with a knee injury, which leaves them with Jacquez Rogers. Looks good on Monday. Yes, he he looks good. Well, hopefully he can... Uh, fill that void because that's going to be a big loss um but that's it for our injury report this week next we have the schedule all right here we are again one more week week six we're going to be diving into our picks first off though i did some calculations in the past uh we got a season records here and it's it's surprising to say the least alche as the guest host went eight and seven so for future guest hosts and guests on the podcast eight and seven is a pretty solid number alche alche sets the bar there um before we go on we are the left coasters tony cavallo matt d'angelo antonio and brian balzarini and we are here every week diving into the rams and trying our best to be fans of this interesting decrepit franchise um you can email any questions or anything you want us to talk about at the left coasters podcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on instagram on the left coasters uh so yeah we're here we got the season going on so long in a third place a strong third place is matthew uh matt you're sitting at 29 and 31 for the season Ooh, that's a very jeff fisher-esque record right yeah, it's there seven and nine two, right there. two games below 500 um I uh, I've made some bad picks this year. I'm not going to try and throw anybody else under the bus or make excuses, but I will be back. Just know that he will be back. Brian, you're sitting in silver medal here, uh, 34 and 26. That's respectable. How many games behind am I? You are one game behind the uh, the king of the mountain, the gold medal wearing Mr. Tony Cavallo at 35 and 25. Don't glow too much. We're only a quarter way through the. Yeah, I understand a lot of that. Football. I understand that, guys, but I'll tell you every week to the listeners at home, if you're betting with me, you're winning money. That's as simple as that. You should see the way he bets on Sundays, though. It's not always that pretty, I hey, promise. Hey, I'm in the green. All that matters is that you're in the green. I will say I'm 0-3 for the Rams. You guys are 1-2 on Rams picks for the year. And uh, this year we've uh, this week, we have the Rams pick in. I'm taking the Rams, hometown team. You guys are on the Lions. Let's, uh, let's keep moving. Week six, here we go. All right, Thursday matchup. Denver Broncos at the San Diego Chargers. Dangles, I who you got? I think this one's pretty easy, uh, if, especially if Trevor Simeon back i'm absolutely picking the denver broncos in this one that's a no-brainer yeah with or without simeon even if it is the america's favorite weed deal of paxton lynch who looked like a rookie he was the first rookie quarterback of this season to look like a rookie he did not look ready to play i still think the broncos win i'm gonna take the denver broncos as well boom uh, next, we have the 49ers at the buffalo bills uh kaepernick i don't think he's there to save that season the bills win I also choose Buffalo in this one. Uh, Tyrod Taylor looked pretty decent against the sad Rams defense, and uh, I think he'll have another good game against a sad Niners defense. Bills win. I picked the Bills as well. That could be four in a row? I know. It's oh kind of scary. You don't want to get the Bills rolling. They they might be getting that wild we could, card. We could be talking about them uh, next out of week. Nowhere. Hard. Out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. Next, we have the Eagles at the Redskins. Dangles. Mm, this is uh, this is uh, going to be an Eagles win, I think. Fly, Eagles, fly. Carson Wentz looks good. Uh, last week was a fluke against the Lions on a late fumble. He didn't play bad. Happen. He didn't play poorly. Uh, it, wasn't a, it was an ugly loss, but it wasn't a bad loss. Eagles win. Listen, there was an easy reason why you guys all killed the Redskins in that momentum Mary fuck kill the Redskins are the Deadskins they really are go Philly yeah I don't think Kirk Cousins has enough in his uh his repertoire to make anything happen I'm also picking the Eagles as well next we have the Browns at the Titans this is a game I don't have no problem missing these some of these early games are really shitty I'm going with the Titans you know I'm probably going to regret doing this but I I feel like if there's a game this year that the Browns have the opportunity to win it's it's this one they're they're yes they're in Tennessee but no one expects them to win this game. Literally nobody. Cody Kessler looks like he's going to play, who he gives them the best chance, I think, of winning that game if they're going to win it at all. Don't count out uh, Isaiah Crowell and Terrell Pryor. They're decent receivers. Andre Hawkins, Andrew Hawkins, I should say, had a touchdown last week for them. They can't go 0-16 like the Lions. They just can't. I'm going to pick the Browns this week. I'm actually going to go with the Titans. Um, I don't hate the Browns here. Uh, Isaiah Isaiah is the fifth leading rusher in the league right now, so that's a nice little fun fact. But I think Marcus Mariota is doing doing an okay job, and he had a good week last week at Tennessee. I just don't see it with all the with all the uh, um, tumultuous shuffling of players in in the Cleveland locker room. Next, we have the Ravens at the Giants. This this game's a little weird. Both of these teams, I think, are going to finish around eight and eight and not have a chance at a wild card in either of their conferences. But I do 
think for some reason the Ravens win this game. The Giants look really crappy Sunday night. I think the Giants are a sheep in wolf's clothing sort of team. They look like they're a lot more dangerous than they actually are. Uh, They might win this game if Odell Beckham didn't have his head so far up his ass that he was starting to smell what he ate for breakfast yesterday morning. Uh, But they're just not, and they're they're depleted at running back. Rashad Jennings is missing. They're having to rely on Paul Perkins and Orleans Darkwa. Orleans Darkwa. I am definitely going to pick the Ravens in this. Do not count out that defense with Terrell Suggs and CJ Mosley. They are good. I, too, am going to be going with the Baltimore Ravens. I have yet to pick them this year, and I think they're due for a uh, a win in my book, and I think it's against the New York Giants. Uh, that division's not so hot, and the New York Giants look like they still have a lot of work to do to get out of that out of the cellar. Next, we have the Panthers and the Saints. Dangles, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Carolina in this one. They're an angry team right now. Cam Newton sounds like he's going to be coming back to play, and that's a huge boon for that offense. Uh, they're still missing Jonathan Stewart, and uh, Cameron Artis-Payne is getting the majority of their carries, which not is looking too bad. not great. But yes, with Cam back, um, the defense needs to rebound. I think that's the big thing. They, they only gave up 17 points to the Buccaneers, but that defense needs to rebound. And with Cam back, I think the Panthers take it. Listen, even with Cam back, this this Carolina team's in a lot of trouble, man. That that game Defensive that they lost, man. It's must, oh, it's a must win. This is it, the thing. It, this, this is their season right here. Th- we might be hitting the gravestone of the loser of this game next week because it's it's really tough to come back from the record that one of these teams is going to have. The Panthers lost a heartbreaker against Tampa Bay. They could have won that game in many different ways. Tampa Bay and Carolina both are trying to give the game to the other team, and to come out on the bottom end of that is is a season ender. I have New Orleans winning this game. I don't have too much faith in it, but I think Drew Brees can light this Panthers team up and I'm sorry TJ your your Carolina Panthers offense is not as good as it was last year your defense certainly isn't as good as it was last year I think this is a high scoring game and Drew Brees comes out on top I'm with you I think the Saints come out and take take that defensive backfield to school and I think it, it, having Cam Newton show up and try to be Superman isn't going to be enough um, new, usually New Orleans plays really well at home so I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints uh, next we've got another interesting bottom feeder game but the Jaguars at the Bears oh, this is a terrible game this is just a terrible who do you game. pick? I, it's, I've been back and forth on this all day. I think I'm going to stick with Brian Hoyer and the Bears. I don't know why. I really don't have a good answer for you. Just go Bears. Brian Hoyer has thrown for 300-plus yards in his last three games. Do you know who's never done that in his career? Jay Cutler. No Not way. once no in his way. career has he ever thrown for 300 yards in three consecutive games. That's unbelievable. Because he's fucking Awful. That's unbelievable. This, Jay Cutler. This this Bears team, I think, is ripe uh, to be picked on. I think, uh, despite the fact that Hoyer's been throwing a lot this past week, there's a very good secondary anchored by Jalen Ramsey in Jacksonville. They're coming off fresh off a of bye week. If they can get their ground game going with TJ Yeldon, I think we'll have a big week passing for the Allens. The Jaguars win. All right. I don't think anybody has been able to prepare for Brian Hoyer either. And I think with two weeks of, of game tape, it'll be interesting to see what Jackson, Jacksonville does. But I don't think it'll be enough uh, at Soldier Field. I'm taking the Bears as well. Next, we have the Steelers at the Dolphins. Steelers. Oh, yeah, that's easy. Steelers. I don't, Moving I don't, on. Yep, Steelers. Um, next, we have the Bengals at the Patriots. This game's interesting because the Bengals are in trouble if they lose this game. But I don't see New England losing. I don't either. I think they'll game plan for them very well. I think it'll be a Patriots win. Tom Brady all the way. Next, we have the Chiefs at the Raiders. I haven't been a fan of this Chiefs team since the get-go. Oakland's offense can play really well. I think Oakland pulls this out. And they're coming off a bye, too. I was a fan of this Chiefs team at the get-go, and I've been proven horribly wrong over the last uh, five weeks' worth of football. I'm choosing the Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr. Although Jamal Charles is back in full form. That's true, which isn't great for my fantasy team because that means Spencer Ware doesn't get carries anymore. And he's <laughs> been a monster for me. But uh, I just don't think they have enough to do it offensively uh, against this Raiders team. And their defense isn't terrible either. No, and I think, the, like we talked about, Derek Carr has been lighting the, uh, the board up lately, and I don't think it's going to stop at Oakland. I'm taking the Raiders too. Next, we have the Falcons at the Seahawks. See, now these games are starting to get good. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of crap games, which means and all those good teams are moving down the is block. Is this game in Seattle? In Seattle. Oh, that's a good game. That's Ooh, a good game. Is out in full force. Uh, as much as I was against Kansas City to start the year, I was opposite and on the fence for Atlanta. I love this Atlanta team. I think they're the real deal. They proved me right. But I will say the Seattle team matches up really well against Atlanta. I think they're going to have trouble scoring as many points as they do. I think Russell Wilson have a week off helps him out immensely with all the little injuries he's having. I think Seattle pulls this off. This is difficult because you have the offense that's producing the most yards per game so far versus the defense that is allowing the fewest yards per game so far. But I think this comes down to the Falcons offense just being able to score more points than the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, the Legion of Boom and the secondary and Earl Thomas and Cam Chan 
just learned blah, 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 blah. I've heard it all. We beat them in the Super Bowl. Point here being that I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Matt Ryan. Julio Jones has another big day and the Falcons win. I think the Seahawks coming off a bye, uh, having now two weeks to prepare for the Falcons, that's enough time for Pete Carroll and that team to, to, to prep for him at home, uh, traveling across the United States, saying, and I'm going to pick the Seahawks in this one. Uh, next, we have the Cowboys at the Packers. Game of the week. Oh boy, Tony, Game of the you week. have the first one here. This is the best rushing team in the NFL versus the best rushing defense in the NFL. Surprisingly, Green Bay has an immaculate rushing defense Wouldn't this year. Wouldn't have guessed that. Although they have not played a team even close to the caliber of the Dallas offensive line with Ezekiel Elliott behind him, so that scares me a little bit. I think Zeke uh, does his normal thing, and I think Green Bay gives up a lot of yards rushing, but for some reason, I think Green Bay pulls it out in the end. I think they're... F- I wouldn't say they're finally starting to click offensively, but if they keep feeding the beast Eddie Lacy the ball, this game's going to go Green Bay's way. And the question is, can Green Bay get to Dak Prescott? Can they make him make a mistake? They need to in order to win this game. Go, oh, nice. Pack, go. It's going to be very difficult because Dak is uh, protected by one of the strongest offensive lines in the NFL, anchored the by, Hands anchored, down by the Mar- anchored by Zach Martin. Uh, I'm going to pick Dallas in this one, actually. I think they continue on their streak. I think they're surprising a lot of people this year. Dak Prescott is easily... Far and beyond even Carson Wentz, the biggest surprise of this NFL season. For sure. But Carson Wentz is playing great, but Dak Prescott, he came out of completely and totally uh, nowhere. So I'm going to pick the Cowboys. I think Zeke has another huge day. He barreled for 100-plus yards on this past Sunday, and... um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Packers because I think they're more hungry. When you look at who can afford to lose, the Packers can't afford to lose. With the Minnesota Vikings running away with with the uh, with the NFC North, I don't think the Packers are able and are unfocused enough to to allow that to happen. I think they're going to be fighting for that division, but they got to start thinking wild card at this point. Um, and it starts with beating the Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys are feeling good about their divisional chances. So I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Green Bay Packers at home. Uh, next, we have the Colts at the Texans. This is the Sunday night game? Yes, it is. That's oh, terrible. Come on, That's really? terrible. What do you want to do on Sunday night instead of watch this? Let's go bowling or something. Okay. This is a terrible game. Dude, to watch. We'll put something else on. We'll be watching it at my house, but we'll put something else on. Or, yeah, or put, anything else. Put a belt up for a, a board game or something like that. Yeah, let's go play bocce or something. <laughs> yeah. right, so we have the Colts at the Texans. See. Uh, at least it's a divisional match, I guess. I think the Texans win, although I don't have any faith in Brock Osweiler. I, I, I'd really rather not pick either of these teams, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Houston. Yeah, I'm going with Houston because I did just kill the Colts, and I would you know, prefer to be right. Uh, next <laughs> on Monday, we have the Jets at the Cardinals. Ah, this is another one that was supposed to be good when they made the schedule, but by now the Jets are dead. They really are dead. I'm going Arizona. They're dead. We killed them. I'm going to go Arizona as well, especially, especially if Carson Palmer's back. Darrell Rivas has been nowhere to be found. I think Rivas Island might have floated off into oblivion and somewhere out there in That's the Pacific. Done. But uh, yeah, I'm going with the Cardinals. I'm going with the Cardinals too, but I, you know what? I, I'm shaking my head right now. I, I can honestly see this being one of those games where we're just like, what happened? They've had that already. Arizona's had two of those it's, games already. It would be it, it would be in character for them to do something like that. All so right. um, I don't have a lot of confidence, but again, the Arizona Cardinals. All right, guys. So that is the week. Now, just to point out, we also have two bye teams this week. That is the Vikings and the Buccaneers. I still don't understand why the Packers had a bye in week three. They could have been in this week and had four teams this week. Just doesn't make any sense. Pisses me off. Well, it is the no fun league after all. Pisses me off. Anyway, shoot a bow and uh, arrow at you as I'm twerking in the end zone. <laughs> oh, well, I did love. I forget. Was it? I think it was Andrew Hawkins on the Cleveland Browns. That was great. Uh, his tele- yeah. ce- touchdown celebration this Sunday he catches a touchdown pass and then robotically walks himself to the corner of the end zone and and does a little robot motion, putting the ball down and then walks away as sort of a middle finger to Roger Goodell in the NFL and their completely ridiculous uh, fining policy on on celebrations. But um, hey, don't forget to send us comments, questions. Or um, or ooh, or gravestone picks. Yeah, um, please we do, do our new game, uh, gravestone picks. Now, remember, we started you out with six teams that were killing off for the season. Tony, reminder listeners who they are: the dead teams are Miami, Cleveland, Chicago, San Fran, Jacksonville, and the New York Jets. All right, and then in addition, I uh, killed off Indy, as did Brian this week. Tony killed off San Diego, and you guys can kill off whoever you prefer week by week, starting with the first one. We'll announce your uh, gravestone starting next week. See if you can play the game along with us and see who has the most points at the end and be sure to also follow us on instagram if you haven't already we'll show you some pictures from this week uh, at the rams game you can follow us at the left coasters podcast 
Thanks for listening in. Uh, I'm Matt D'Angelo Antonio with Brian Balzarini and Tony Cavallo. Uh, we will see you uh, post week six in the NFL right here on the Left Coasters podcast. Ram it. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.